0: All right guys, good morning. Welcome to another uh, another Sunday morning chat. Let me make sure that uh, everyone can hear me. Okay, let me throw the chat up. If you guys can hear me, okay, go ahead and give me a thumbs up. I'd appreciate it. You are witnessing uh, you're witnessing Bedhead Kaufman this morning. Uh, yeah, we had a rough night last night, so I have. Uh, I got my coffee sitting here with me, and uh, very rough night. <clears throat> we had a, a, a neighbor decided to have a party last night, and man, it was brutal. Had to get up and go knock on doors in the middle of the night, three o'clock this morning. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at this morning. All right, can you guys hear me? Okay, just want to make sure. Let's make sure I've got the right mic. Yeah, it looks like I do. Okay. Okay. Good morning. All right. This is probably going to be the fastest, uh, the fastest one of these that uh, that we've done. Uh, but this, but the length of this uh, this particular live. <laughs> what happened? Were your neighbors going off on butterscotch ripple? Yeah. Well, I wish it was just that uh but unfortunately unfortunately i think we saw them doing some things that was uh that would put butterscotch ripple to cha- to shame it was it wasn't good really wasn't good and so uh yeah it's a new neighbor and uh, they're younger and so they're younger than we are for sure you know we're we're in bed usually usually pretty early. We, we like to get up early. So, um, yeah, it was just a little, it's unfortunate, but anyway. All right. So, uh, as I was saying, uh, this morning, we're going to talk ab- about, um, we're going to talk about money. I- isn't this all related to money? I guess it is, but, um, particularly this has been something that's been on my mind, um, I've seen I've been seeing a couple of people go through this lately. And, um, uh, the topic is, uh, cash preservation, preserving your cash because, uh, and I, I don't know if Scott's on here or not. Scott's actually, I actually already had kind of had this talk with Scott. Scott's a, he's one of our, uh, he's one of our students. He's been with us for a few months. And, uh, we had this conversation, uh, actually on a coaching call one day. So, uh, so so Scott if you're on and you're listening uh you're going to you're going to hear this pretty much the same preachy type of uh type of advice that I gave you. Um and I'm going to apologize in advance cuz this is this is rather preachy. It's going to sound like I'm uh it's there's just no nice way to say this. So uh, uh this may sound like I'm I'm uh preaching to you, but I promise you that it's sound advice because um uh, Preserving cash is, uh, I mean, it's right up there with finding finding motivated seller leads. You know, if you don't if you don't have the cash to do the things that you need to do that you I'm sorry, not that you need to do, but that you have to do, uh, you can get you can get yourself in trouble really really quickly. So let's go ahead. Like I said, this is probably going to be a, a real short uh, a real short session this morning, um, but it's going to be poignant. So let's jump into this. And I guess I guess where I want to start is as um, I want to talk about why it's so important for uh, for business owners to remain as liquid as possible, but more importantly, how to maximize the uh, the velocity of their of their cash. all right So uh, you know a lot of people don't fully under- understand what it means to be cash poor. and I'm telling you, it is one of the worst. Feelings in the world when you know you might own, you know, you might own several million dollars worth of real estate, but you can't pay your own bills. It's one of the worst feelings in the world, and I've definitely been there. It is not a fun thing to go through. So, um, you know, your your bills don't stop rolling in. Your bills do not stop rolling in uh, just because you run out of cash to pay them. All right. So, uh, so if you own uh, if you own real estate, if you own rentals, or if you're, you're funding your own rehabs, you still, in addition to those bills that you have to pay, you still have, you know, you might have repairs that you still need to make on those things. And if you certainly, if you run, if you have rentals, you're going to have maintenance, you're going to have, uh, you know, you're going to have, uh, uh you're going to need to spend money on your, on your rentals. Um, and I think we all know that, uh, you know, you can't really rely on your tenants. Obviously, uh, this is this is one of the reasons why we do, uh, uh, why we choose on our single families anyway. This is why we choose to uh, to sell or finance our deals. This kind of eliminates that need for uh, uh, for us to go out and spend money on making repairs and things like that. And like I said before, that's a trade off because, you know, obviously we're not building that equity in those single family homes our buyer is building that equity. And so uh, unless something happens where we take that property back, we're never going to realize that, that future appreciation. So there are drawbacks to it, but for me, honestly, it's just, it's totally worth it for me not to have to worry about uh, making repairs on properties. I, that's just the way that I choose to go. I like, and that, and that's single families only, obviously, you know, obviously uh, if you own multifamilies, you obviously need to be uh, a landlord, but I'm not trying to uh, persuade anybody to go our route or anything like that. I'm just saying, for me, that's what works. All right. So um, let's see what we got here. Please make sure you describe how to how you manage and keep money so that you can uh, imitate your approach. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. All right. Okay. So here's here's what we got. We have most of the time. We have you know when you have new investors come into this business, um, a lot of a lot of new investors think that that's how it's done. You know they've maybe they've saved up their saved up a bunch of cash. They've saved up uh, you know a bunch of money, and now they're ready to go put that money into their deals, right? And they just think that that's how it's done. They think that that's I mean it seems logical, totally logical uh, that that's that's why you would save up your money. Um, The problem is before you know it. They they're generally you know they start freaking out because they see that ha- they have these obligations they have to meet and those obligations are, are on the horizon they're quickly approaching but they're realizing that their their cash on hand is dwindling so uh, because they've dumped all this money into their deals and so they end up with uh, they end up with this perpetual problem of trying to pull cash out of deals and trying to you know try and they get into this uh, really frantic state of you know um, how you're going to pay your bills and i'm telling you it's very real it is a it is a huge problem so um you know a lot of these folks they hire they hire coaches they hire mentors but i don't think and i've hired two i've had two coaches two mentors um before i kind of I, I won't say i figured it out i didn't nobody really 100 percent ever figures it out but um it's something that the and I spent a ton, ton of money on these folks. I mean, a lot, and it just wasn't talked about that much. It wasn't talked about. Cash preservation was not talked about that much. Or actually, I'm not even going to say cash preservation. I'm talking about a a plan or a program of how to how to uh, how to actually use that cash versus uh, you know how to use that cash in ways that keeps the velocity of that money going and growing. All right. So, um, you know, most of us don't come into this, uh, into this business with loads of cash. That's, that's probably the majority of us. I know I didn't for sure. That's why I got into, uh, that's why I started doing creative deals like right off the bat. All right. But that's why we get into this business is to start making that money. Well, now you start making money. What do you do with that cash? Right. So, um, so let's just talk about uh, just a simple mindset and strategy that is going to ensure that you never ever have to go through this. And you know, I think I think for the most part, uh, most people that get into this business, they're going to experience, at the very least, they're going to experience uh, a certain a certain level of this. You know, it may not be to the extremes that a, that a lot of folks are going to, uh, you know, that a lot of folks are going to experience, but I think it's definitely going to be a, a factor. It's, it's a factor in most, most people's businesses. I mean, and by the way, this is not just in the real estate business. This is, this is every business. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, a lot of businesses fail because they just don't have either the reserves or, uh, you know, or they're, they're dumping too much money back into their business in. um, you know, next thing you know, maybe you experience a downturn or something like that. And next thing you know, you're out of business. So, so number one, let's talk about, let's make sure that we are, all right, we're all caught up here. So here's the first thing that I am going to recommend that you always do, uh, whether you have cash in the bank or not. All right. And this is a real simple concept on all of your real estate deals on the deals that you go out and you purchase and and um, You know, maybe, you know, you're going to hold on to them, whether you're going to wholesale them, doesn't matter. Borrow money. That's counterintuitive to what we've all been taught growing up, you know, growing up through uh, throughout the years. But do not be afraid to borrow money and using other people's money in your in your uh, in your business. That prevents you from having to tie up a bunch of your capital into these uh, into deals. All right. So. So, don't tie up a bunch of your own cash to buy properties. All right. So, so, if you're going to borrow money, then obviously terms are going to matter. All right. So, really, I mean, a lot of gurus are, uh, they'll tell you that the cost of the money doesn't matter, but that is not true. That is not true at all. Uh, I think that's more of a desperate move. You know, people go out and they get these, they, get these deals under contract and they get desperate about how they're going to pay for them. In fact, I think probably, uh, I mean, I know a ton of wholesalers. That's why I call That's why I call wholesalers motivated sellers too, because most wholesalers, a lot of them anyway, I mean, let's just say the majority of them, they don't have the cash to close on their deals. You know, they're just getting into this business. They've learned that they can flip these contracts. And so, uh, they don't have a lot of cash to get into these deals. Um, but the cash that a lot of wholesalers will, will borrow is in the form of hard money. And, you know, I, you know, that might be something that you have to do in the beginning, but I would argue that hard money is the very last, I mean, it is like the very, very bottom of the list. That is the very last source of money you want to be borrowing is hard money. All right. It's because. Number one, it's expense. It's, it's so expensive that, um, you know, it could really ruin your deal let me make sure, Hey, good morning, Miguel. Yeah. I'm kind of flipping back and forth screens here, guys. So, uh, if you have anything you want to, you want to chat about, let me go ahead and lay this, do this chat overlay in here. All right. So borrowing money terms, terms do matter. They 100% matter. Um, Gurus are really only giving you half the story on terms, uh, but how much you pay for money is definitely going to come into play over time, right? So, uh, so the main three sources that we want to talk about for borrowing money is number one, private lending, and private lending is uh, on the tops of your list. It should be on the tops of everyone's list. It should be uh, your job as a real estate investor should be. Uh, number one, finding deals and number two, finding money. And I think, I think all of us just kind of, maybe in the beginning, we kind of, I'll tell you a story. So when I started out, you know, I was borrowing hard money when I first started out and I was borrowing, the money I would borrow was at 18% and six points. It was three points on the front, on the purchase side, three points on the sales side so you want to talk about expensive money that was extremely expensive money you know um, very expensive and i was actually really really terrified because i kind of grew up in a household where where we didn't ask to borrow money from anyone it was you know you either did without or you did without and so it was never really a conversation um, on how to approach anyone, anyone, not, forget, forget anyone, uh, you know, outside of this business. Certainly we never talked about business. I mean, it was never discussed. So it was really, really tough to, um, it was really tough to, to try and kind of build number one, the confidence to, uh, I, the way I always like to put it, I was like, I, I would ask people like, how do you, you know, I'd ask like, um, I'd ask like coaches and stuff like that. How do you even cross that threshold of asking somebody to fund your deals? Like, how do you even, how does it even, how does the conversation even come about? Uh, Because I was that, I was that, um, I lacked so much confidence in doing that. And so uh, I was in this mastermind. I joined this mastermind. It's kind of a, it's kind of a newer, well, there's some really experienced people in this mastermind. I was not one of them. I was uh, one of the lesser experienced people, and so what they did is part of my uh, part of my mastermind. They had me present. You know, this was one of my issues. I needed the, I needed to start finding private private money, and so uh, they actually had me do a uh, kind of this mock presentation. Right. So I went in. We had everybody on a Zoom call. Um, I went into uh, into the office. And I had a whiteboard, I had a, a, uh, a screen monitor for this presentation. And when I tell you that this thing went, went bad, it, I, I'm just praying that nobody out there recorded this thing. I mean, it was just, it was, <laughs> it was awful. It was really, really awful. And, um, so you know, my the goal was the goal of that uh, that whole uh, mock presentation thing was to be able to send this video to other potential private lenders. And so, needless to say, I never sent that video to anyone. It was just terrible. It was embarrassing. So, you know, I I continue on. I'm I'm continuing to try and grow this business. And ultimately, what ended up getting me through this was or getting over this rather was the dire need. All right, the dire need to fund a deal. I had this particular this one particular deal, and I knew this would be a great deal. Um, my I had tapped out one of my hard money lenders, so I mean I'm literally I had a couple of rehabs going, and um, well more than a couple. <laughs> But I had tapped out one of my hard money lenders and uh, really, I just re- really wasn't that well connected. And so, uh, what I did have though was a, I had this giant buyer's list. I had a huge buyer's list. I spent, I spent probably 50% of my time because I was, you know, I started, I got involved in wholesaling before I got involved in actually doing rehabs. Um, so, in the whole, on the wholesaling side, I was, you know, I always, I kind of veered away from my original plan of, you know, just flipping things on the MLS uh, and I started building this huge cash buyers list and it's massive. It's like 8,000 people strong. And so what I ultimately ended up doing was uh, I thought, well, you know, I've got this buyers list. If these people, if, if even a fraction of these people are real actual buyers with cash, wouldn't those, wouldn't that be? Wouldn't it be smart to send out a, a mass email to my buyers list and find out if there's anyone out there that has cash they want to lend on. And so I created this email campaign and um, ultimately I, I ended up having several people uh, reach back out to me and uh, I got some of the best private lenders out of that little strategy that uh, so I guess what I'm saying is if, if you are if you're a wholesaler right now and you have a buyers list, and this kind of goes along with the whole referral network thing that we've talked about before about the importance of having this referral network. If you've got a a buyers list, start asking those uh, start asking those folks on your buyers list if they lend money. All right, so um, so you're not you're not blindly going out and trying to you know you're not pulling your hair out trying to find these. Uh, trying to find these buyers. So I'm sorry, trying to find these lenders. So um, anyway, private lending, it's, it's super, super important because you're going to get the best terms through private lenders, right? So even, you know, I just told you I was paying 18% and six points. Well, my very first private lender, I dropped a, i dropped that rate down to 10%. I paid them 10%, no points, Ten percent, no points, and I didn't have to make monthly payments. And that's what—that's what was—that's what, was, what will kill your business is having to make those monthly payments, you know. And um, that's why I say hard money. Hard money should be on the very bottom of your list. It's, or at least you should be working to push it down to the bottom of the list. All right. Now, when I and I also want to mention here that uh, when I say private lending, I'm talking about true private lending. I'm not talking about these, uh, these large companies that, um, you know, that you find out in the Facebook groups Let me make sure we're, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jonathan. Yes, sir. You should stop prostituting yourself for sure. Um, but I'm not talking, when I'm talking about private lending, I'm not talking about the, like the, um, key of the world or these, these lending institutions. Not to say that they don't have good terms, um, the problem is they are generally going to underwrite your deals the same way that a bank would, and their terms are going to be worse than a bank. So um, I'm talking about ch- true, genuine private lenders, people with uh, people with uh, self-directed 401Ks, uh, self-directed IRAs with cash sitting in the bank, maybe they have uh, uh, a whole life insurance policy or something like that. Uh, which is another whole topic. I think it's a fantastic strategy for folks. Uh, I'm talking about those people. Those are private lenders, right? I'm not talking about the companies. Um, and I'm even seeing a lot of, uh, instead of, uh, I'm, see, I'm starting to see a lot of these companies move into the hard, hard money space, uh, just because it's such a lucrative, uh, it's a lucrative Avenue for, uh, for lending. And I'm not here to, uh, I'm not trying to to dog hard money lenders. it's they definitely have their place um and I do think that um, well, well, we'll get into that. we'll get into that all right, so private lending number one, I'm talking about individuals who have access to cash that are wanting to make above average returns um, you know versus you know. Uh, maybe maybe paper stocks or something like that they want to have a, a an asset backed investment um and they uh they want to make above average returns all right so true private money lenders the next one is going to be commercial lending and we i just touched on them uh just a, just a moment ago and these are the kiavis of the world these are the the folks who um well it can be it can be those types of folks the kiavis it can be uh, it can be your local credit union, it can be a local bank. Uh, these are the commercial types of loans. Uh, generally speaking, uh, they are going to come they're going to come in at number two because of their terms, while their terms are not um, they're nowhere near what hard money lenders charge, uh, but their terms can be really restrictive. you know and you have to fall into this certain um, you have to fit this certain profile in your business. So you, you end up, what you end up doing, at least what I've discovered is you end up going from, from commercial lender to commercial lender, just bouncing around. And, um, ultimately wasting a ton of time trying to go through this underwriting process and, uh, all to, all to, you know, all to get a loan that doesn't have necessarily the best terms. Right, it's not to say it couldn't be profitable, but uh, there's definitely some. You're definitely. I don't want to say you're being taken advantage of, um, because you're you know you can still make a lot of money um, using commercial lending, and, and that's what a lot of people do. Um, but the terms are just not the greatest. If if you can get a private lender to lend to you, whether that's short term or long term, um, preferably long term. You know, um, the way that I like to set up my private lenders, I'd like to create an escrow account. So I can just go in and dip into that account whenever I need. They have access to that account as well. They can see exactly what's out at any given time. So they know exactly how much they should be earning at any given time. So, uh, but yeah, commercial lending, um, commercial lending can help. I personally do not have one single commercial loan. I own, um, I own 42 doors and all of that is done through 100% creative financing. All right. So, um, it can be done if you if you really set your mind to it. Uh, I don't. I just don't. I just choose not to use commercial commercial lending. That's not to say that I won't use them in the future. By the way, I definitely will. Uh, kind of a little side note. I always tell people I have worked extremely hard um, to become unbankable, and a lot of people will look at me sideways a little bit when I tell them that. But um, I had a a tax strategy where. I just didn't, I just didn't, my tax strategy basically brings my income to uh, levels below what any commercial lender would, uh, that would prevent me from qualifying with a commercial lender. So uh, doesn't mean that I have that credit, doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means that I'm not bankable. I, You know, they won't lend to me. So now as I'm growing, I'm finding out that, you know, I think, uh, I think I might start and especially if I want to, if I really want to elevate and and build a much larger portfolio, I'm probably going to have to incorporate some commercial lending into that. It's just a fact of life. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at on the on the commercial side. I think uh, I think they're useful. I just think that private lending, if you can get it long term, is uh, just a much better deal. And then finally, on the bottom of that list, we talked about hard money. Um, this should absolutely one hundred percent be your last resort. Uh, maybe use them for transactional funding. Certainly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have hard money out for any longer than three months if you can help it. Uh, it's going to be super, super expensive. Let me make sure I am not missing any uh, comments or questions. It's going to be super, super expensive, and um, you know, it's not. It's not a bad thing to have several hard money lenders in your back pocket and, uh, or on your referral network list, Um uh, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't make them my first choice for funding. Um, I'll tell you where they really, really come in handy. Uh, a good hard money lender because hard money lenders are in the trenches with, with folks. I mean, they are, they have a lot of times, a lot of times hard money lenders are, are just, all they're doing is, is arbitraging borrowed money. So they'll go out and borrow money. Uh, maybe they'll get a line of credit or something like that. And they'll turn around and lend that money and arbitrage, uh, arbitrage those, uh, those two strategies. Right. So, but it's still a risk for them. Still a personal risk nine times out of 10. So they are really, really good at telling you whether or not you have a good deal. So, uh, if you're new to this, I would highly recommend that you go out and you start talking to hard money lenders. You're probably going to need to borrow, borrow from them initially anyway. Uh, but I would get a, a handful of them in your pocket and, um, you know, they're really good at evaluating deals because they are, they generally have uh, a skin in the game on their borrow site or on the, it's either their cash or it's borrowed cash. Either way, they're going to have skin in the game. So they're going to make sure that anything that they lend on, is a, is a super like no brainer deal. Okay. That's why, that's why you'll see most hard money lenders. Uh, most, not all, I have run into a few that are, uh, that do not, uh, really abide by these guidelines, but, uh, most of them are going to lend, you know, 65, 70%. So, so 65 or 70% on the dollar, that's what they're going to lend. And then the rest of it's going to be up to you to fund. So, uh, and that's why they do that. They have to have some protections. They have to have some insurance that, um, you know, that if you default, they're getting in. They're going to have, you know, they're going to go out and foreclose on you or they're going to take a deed in lieu or something like that. But now they own a property and they need to know that they can turn around and sell that property uh, and get all of their cash back and, and not lose their shirt. So that's why they do that. And so really my primary... Uh, uh, my primary use for hard money lenders is, is especially if you're new, like I said, would be to try and understand what a really good deal looks like. And they're very, very good at that. They can, they're down in the trenches. Like I say, they can usually go out. Uh, if you got a, a, a property in a particular area and you talk to this hard money lender and you just say, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about buying this deal. Uh, would this be something that you lend on? And not all the time, but most of the time they're going to tell you, they can tell you about that particular neighborhood. They can talk about the houses that were built in that neighborhood, the time frames that they were built in. And they're just really, really knowledgeable about that stuff. So if for any, if for nothing else, rather, you hook up with some hard money lenders, uh, that would be the reason why. All right. So, so in kind of in uh, going to summarize this a little bit. Stop putting your own money into all of these deals. All right. Um, most of us for. Uh, f- most of our uh, most people that get into this have plans to either quit a job or maybe maybe uh, supplement their current income, whatever the case may be. Um, if you go out and spend all your money, putting your own money into these deals, it's it can definitely hurt you. You know, uh, it could. Could be the difference between you quitting that job or having to rely on that job for more income. You know, hopefully the deals that you're putting your money into um, are are, um, are growing and and the velocity, just like any other investment, should be growing and should be paying you. Um, but if you are cash poor, man, it's it's going to be even tougher to get out of that job. So borrow money, borrow money, get, get decent terms, get as good of terms as you possibly can. And, um, yeah, borrow money to buy real estate period. Leverage that, uh, use that leverage to, uh, to build your wealth. So the question then begs, Hey, Mario. All right. Just making sure I don't have, uh, any questions here. So the question then begs, Hey, if I have, if I have all this cash, what do I do with it? What do I, you know, what's its point? What's the purpose behind it? Well, you could you could certainly go out and take that cash, um, uh, invest it in something, uh, invest it in paper stocks. You can do, you know, invest it in whatever you want. Um, the problem is that you really need that cash to be liquid. And you need to have relatively quick, you need to be able to liqu- uh, liquidate something quickly in order to get that cash back in, uh, in your pocket in case you need it. This is why I am super, super, uh, I'm just super opposed to any kind of, uh, uh 401k, uh, you know, any, anything like that, that ties that money up for that long. I think it's a total scam. You can, you can, uh, you know, you can totally disregard, uh, you don't have to listen to me on this. Uh, I personally feel like 401ks and all of that stuff, total scam, total scam. Um, And it's only those, those programs are only designed to make other people rich. They're never going to make you rich. They're certainly never going to give you cash flow, period. So, so what do you do with this other cash that you have? There is a, I don't know if anyone out there has ever read the cash flow quadrant by, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, But there are four quadrants. There's ESB and I, and uh, E the E quadrant. Without going through this whole book or trying to uh, summarize this whole book, the E quadrant is is at the top of the list. It's it's you are an employee, right? So you're an employee. That's how you make your money. The I quadrant is an investor, a real actual investor, and the investors the 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 Investors, all of the investors income comes from or comes in in the form of cash flow. All right. So and how do they do that? They do that through lending. So what I'm telling you is. Number one, when you buy real estate, you borrow. If you have cash reserves. Then I would I would seriously look into lending. Lending is. um, I mean, who doesn't want to be the bank? What is involved in being the bank? I mean, you really have, especially when it comes to real estate, you have the security. So you have hard assets. Um, and you have a it's relatively liquid, right? If somebody stops paying you, you have, uh, you know, there are several things you can do, you know, foreclosure being probably being the most long term um, solution to someone in default. You know and that's going to take you a few months to get done, depending on the state. I realize that. You know we have states that are uh, uh, that are judicial states, going to take a lot longer to foreclose on someone. Um, but when I say lending, uh, and, and I'm going to kind of shoot my shoot myself in the foot here, but it would probably be it would probably benefit you the most if you have those cash reserves to think about hard money lending, uh, because. There is monthly cash flow that comes uh, comes through from hard money lending. You're not necessarily. I mean, you can structure a private loan really any way that you any way that you want. Um, but hard money lending, I'm telling you, it's a it's a great business to be in. Now, I don't personally like to use hard money, but I certainly would. I certainly will lend on hard money for sure. And um, so, if you've got these this cash sitting in 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 your bank. Uh, you might want to consider lending, right? And the cash I'm talking about that's sitting in your bank, I'm not talking about your reserves. You're going to have to figure out, you know, look at your budget, look at your monthly, um, your monthly nut, And you have to figure out how much money you need in reserves. Generally speaking, it's six to 12 months. Um, anything beyond that, if that money is not moving, it is, it is useless. It's not, it's not making money. Or if it is, it's making some really abysmal, uh, you know, interest. There's some some really small interest rate on it. So money, when money sits, money gets stagnant and it loses value. So my advice would be to maximize that and become a lender. Um, Like I said, it's relatively liquid. Um, You have a hard asset backing it. You know, there there are a a number of there are a number a number of checks that you that you have to do. You have to be able to underwrite your borrower. Your um, you know, and the funny thing is, so the, the hard money that I was borrowing, uh, I literally this particular hard money lender kind of his shtick is that he will qualify you over the phone. Don't even have to meet the guy. That's why he was able to charge, you know, eighteen percent and six points. I don't recommend you do that. That'd be super, super risky, especially for a new lender. Um, but that's how he was doing it. That's why he was charging that much, because he's taken on all this risk. So again, I'm not talking about your reserves. Always have the reserves that you need. Um, I am talking about anything above and beyond reserves. It cannot sit there. It cannot remain stagnant. It is just going to lose value. And this past year was, if that wasn't evidence enough to you, that the the value of the dollar uh, or, or how much the value of the dollar dropped I mean imagine all the people with these savings accounts they just lost ten percent of their of the value of each of each dollar in that savings account so if they had put that to work and it was earning 15 16 17 percent you know and you you offset that with the uh, the inflation rate for the year you know they're still making five six seven percent on their on their money so ultimately, and I'm just going to kind of admit to, uh, uh, admit to you folks, uh, that's what, that's what I'm doing here. That's why I am. Um, so all the, all of my real estate investments, even the co- even our coaching program, that coaching program and my investments are being used. The, the proceeds from that are being used to, uh, to become a lender. And so, uh, like in our coaching program, we lend to all of our students, right? And um, well, not all of them. It's got to be a good deal. We, we, we thoroughly, thoroughly under, underwrite those folks. But um, but the idea is to build our own fund. You know, we want to build our own fund and become, ultimately we want to move into that space and become lenders. And that's, that's what I want my soul, my sole source of income to be is from lending. I want to be the bank. And that's where Every, everyone that gets into, um, well, I won't say everyone. It may be your thing that you love, 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 love the real estate side of it. You love the, um, you know, dealing with, with properties. Maybe you love going out working on properties, whatever, whatever whatever floats your boat. Uh, for me, I like to travel. I like to go places. And so, uh, you know, I would, That's lending is something that I know that I can move into and I can still, uh, live the lifestyle that I want to live, and um, I think that's where, ultimately, where everybody should, all all investors and and all you know everyone in this business, that's what they should look towards. They should look towards lending. That's just, you know, my personal opinion. Uh, so, quick recap here. I told you guys, actually, this one. <laughs> see what happens when I when I get uh, when I start rambling. Uh, it's forty minutes into this, and I had no idea. Um, so real quick, let's just recap this. Um, quickest recap ever. All right. Cash preservation, borrow money when you are buying your real estate. All right. Do not use your own money or, or minimize the use of your own money when you're, because once you put it into that deal, you are going to be tight for a while. Right. And you might get some cash flow off of it. Um, I don't know the numbers, but I don't, it could it could be that you know the cash flow you get off that real estate can surpass the uh the cash flow that you're going to get off of um off of lending um but it's not going to be as liquid once it's tied up into that deal it is uh, it's tied up and there's just you know without going through and refinancing all your deals and burn maybe burring out it was heard about uh heard about the burr method um you know Right now, the BIRD method, those folks that are doing the BIRD method, they're really suffering, you know, because we've had this this hike in interest rates. So borrow money to buy your real estate, use your money, your cash to lend. All right. And then that's going to generate cash flow. Uh, that's going to uh, that's not going to be tied up for uh, for near as lo- near as uh, long of a time. And I'm talking about hard money lending. It's going to uh Minimize your risk because now you have a, you have an asset backed, a hard asset backed, uh, loan out there. And that's it. I mean, it's real simple. Um, I'm, I'm talking to, um, a couple of folks right now that are really, really experiencing this and they're freaking out. They're freaking out because they, um, rightfully so because they, they don't have the cash and they've got these obligations coming up, these debt obligations. So. Um, so yeah, don't be afraid to borrow. Um, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to pay those interest rates in, in moderation and, um, and then use your cash to lend. It's that simple. Anybody have any questions? I told you it was going to be preachy. I told you, I warned you ahead of time that that was going to be, is this going to sound like I'm, uh, uh, giving a sermon or something, but, um. No, I just think it's super important, and I wanted to hit on it this week because uh, I'm personally, uh, personally know a couple of people right now that are going through this. So, all right, guys, I think that's all I got for this morning. Uh, I'll give you you know ten more seconds here to post any questions that you might have, and otherwise, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill the feed and uh, go on about my Sunday. Right on, Miguel. Appreciate it. Oh, this is a great question. Edwin. Great question, Edwin. Uh, how can you present private lending to a family member? Um, <laughs> this is a tough one because I always tell people it's one thing to risk the money of an individual outside of your family. It is a total other ball game. If you lose money from a, with a family member, um, man, it is, that is going to make for some awkward thanks, Thanksgivings. I mean, it's going to be so, um, not, not to say that it can't or shouldn't be done. Um, I would just be super, super extra careful about them. And really the answer to your question is it's the only difference here is that you have a relationship with this person, like a personal, uh, a personal relationship. And so honestly, the way that I, the way I always handle these things is I talk to those people and I don't, I don't ask them directly. What I do is, um, I ask them if they know anyone, do you know anyone that is looking to get into real estate and has, you know, maybe has some cash they want to invest in real estate? That's how I go about it. So, um, that might be me just, um, Avoiding the conflict. I I tend to do that a lot. I tend to find ways that, um, gets messages across to people without directly addressing them. Uh, that's a fault of mine for sure. Um, but that's how I handle those. I just always ask people, Hey, do you know anybody that's, that's uh, looking to get into real estate or uh, maybe wants to uh, invest, uh, do some deals together, something like that. That's the simplest way to do it. And a a family member is going to be no different. Um, I wouldn't beat them up about it for sure. Uh, I think, um, particularly when it comes to family, um, I wouldn't beat them up about what you do because they're going to get sick of listening to you. So, um, if you can uh, avoid the family, but if you can't, then that's it's a simple conversation. It's just uh, it's the, the I think the thing with your family is is uh, here's the weird thing that 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 I found out is, you know, I, I came from the, uh, I came from the IT side. You know, I was a, I was a network engineer, right? I did that for 20 years. And so all of a sudden I jump into, I jump into, into buying houses. And so that was the toughest part of it was, you know, I'm, I'm an IT guy. What the heck do I know about buying houses? What do I know about investing in real estate? And so, um, so yeah, that was the toughest part of it was, was having the credibility and, and, um, uh, and I don't want to use the word convincing, but convincing them that I knew what I was talking about. So that's the toughest part of it. So, um, maybe, maybe one of these calls we'll, uh, we'll talk about a credibility kit. Um, if you're newer in the business, a credibility kit can really, really help you out and, um, you know it doesn't have to be anything spectacular or crazy it just has to be a really good idea backed up by data that's really all that it is, there is to it so um uh, edwin i hope that answers your question um you know there's this is the thing man it, there's there's no easy way to do this you just have to you just have to have the need can we lend to your deals I would love for, I would love to pick up a few lenders. Um, I have to tell you, man, I don't, um, kind of the, the way that we structure things, we don't really, we don't really have a problem finding money because we have, we generally have some, some really good deals. We have a really good great uh, program as well. Um, where I'm not sure who that Facebook user is, but, um, yeah, credibility is a huge, huge deal. So sorry, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit, but, um, you know, that is the number one question. And so that, you know, when I told you about that presentation that I gave, uh, that was just absolutely embarrassing. Uh, that was a credibility issue. Totally. But here's what I found out, though. I found out that once I actually, I, I needed, I had to have the money, but I didn't have the money saved up. I had to have it. So you'd be surprised what the human brain and and you'd be surprised at your ability to talk to somebody uh, about this about lending, you'd be surprised at how uh, not easy, but how much of a kind of a salesperson that you can be on your idea uh, when you have the absolute need for uh, for those funds. And that's ultimately what happened to me. Was I just, I just like you know what? I don't care what it takes. I have I you know this. I have to get this deal done. And so, uh, and so that's what I ended up doing. I got creative. Um, but yeah, going back to uh, going back to the lending part of it, I'm going to tell you guys, this may be something you guys probably shouldn't be giving away all my secrets here. But, um, but uh, one of the, one of the, um, one of our programs and it's particular, this is a, this is a, this is a subject two program. Okay. So I'll give you a scenario real quick. Let's say you pick up a property subject to and nine, you know, a lot of times, maybe not all the time, but probably 75, 80, 85% of the time, there's some distress there. Otherwise, a lot of these, a lot of these folks are not going to be wanting to do a subject to deal with you, right? There's some, there's something going on. And, um, a lot of times you have, uh, you have loans that are in arrears. Maybe on top of that, you have, uh, some work that needs to be done to the property. And, um, and of course, one of the inherent problems that we have with subject to deals is, um, a lot of these deals come about because, uh, they're, they they can not sell, they can't sell these properties otherwise because either they'll have to come to the, to the table with, uh, funds at closing. They'll have to, they'll actually have to pay, Um, uh, pay at closing to, to sell their house. A lot of people just don't have those funds. So we have, we have a generally speaking, a lot of times we have, uh, we have equity issues. All right. So we may have a deal that wouldn't work for a wholesaler because there's not enough equity for that wholesaler to be paid, but maybe this deal has enough equity that there's some security in it where, uh, you know, where you can still buy the deal and still be profitable. All right. So, so I'm going to talk specifically about subject two deals here. And this, this is kind of our, this is, this isn't kind of, this is our, our program. What we do is we target, uh, we target folks with maybe a little bit of cash in the bank. Uh, maybe they have a self-directed IRA or self-directed 401k. And we'll say, Hey, Mr. Lender, um, we've got this subject two deal that we need. Um, we're looking for funds for, to catch up a loan all right, we're going to catch up this loan. And so we give them the numbers, we show them, uh, we show them basically how this property is going to be profitable. And here's, here are the terms that we give them. And I, I have talked to many, many private lenders about this and I have not been turned down one time for this deal. All right. So here's what we do. We go ahead and we borrow those funds and we bring that mortgage current or we make those repairs. And then instead of that being just a loan that's sitting in second position, we actually give them equity in the deal. We make them an equity partner. And so we will give them 33 and a third percent actual ownership in the deal. It just, that number is going to vary too, depending on what the deal can pay. Um, But generally speaking, that's what we offer. We offer them 33. We offer them a third ownership in the deal. And so what we what we ultimately end up doing on those deals this is why the seller finance model works out for us so well too because when we make them a third uh, a third wow I can't speak now we make them one third owner in the deal we say okay here's what we're going to do mr lender we are going to sell or finance that deal to someone else and in a seller finance transaction you generally have a down payment. And so what we're going to do is we're going to collect that down payment. We are then going to pay you back. We are either going to make you completely whole or or we're going to do our best to make you whole. We're going to get you completely paid back. All right. So somebody lends us, you know, $20,000. We're going to sell or finance that deal to somebody, to, a, to an end buyer. They're going to give us a $20,000 down payment. We're going to make that lender whole. But that lender stays one third owner in that deal that is a sweet, sweet deal. I've not, like I said, I've not had one lender turn me down for that deal. And really one of the, one of the, to kind of put some icing on the cake there for them, we're going to tell them, Hey, you do this. Uh, we're going to make you one third owner, and we're never going to ask you for another dime to put into this property. And so it's incumbent upon us then to, uh, to make sure that what we're borrowing can cover you know any kind of uh, future problems that we might have, you know what I mean? So, um, but that's the deal that we offer, and uh, so to answer your question, Jonathan, absolutely, you can lend on our deals, and that's that's our primary deal. That's that's our subject two. That's for our subject two program. All right, so that's lending on subject two deals. Uh, the problem with subject two deals is it's very tough to find a lender who's who wants to take second position, and so what can be better than taking second position, making them an actual owner. Oh, and by the way, we use um, for those lenders, this is another reason why we use trust so much. We've been talking about trust for the last three weeks. And this isn't yet another reason why we love trusts. Because when we make a, uh, what we're actually selling to our lender is a third beneficial ownership in that trust. All right. So What does that mean? Beneficial ownership is a marketable position in that trust. So if at any time that lender wants to get out of that deal, they can sell their beneficial ownership in that deal. They could sell it to somebody else and somebody else can, can start cash flowing that deal. Right. So, um, and you know, they can sell that beneficial ownership and make a profit off of it for all we care. We don't care. We just, we just need them need, you know, we just need that equity partner in place. So scream and scream and deal. If you ever want to lend on subject two deals, uh, just let me know. That's our program. All right. And then, of course, we have uh, we have other stuff that we offer as well, as far as lending goes. Um, But we truly are. um, We truly are. And I I just this is something that's born into me. It's inherent to me is is I really love everybody has to win, period. I just won't do the deal. You know, um, that's just the way it is. So, uh, what is your system of setting money aside on a deal by deal or otherwise basis? Um, well, it just depends. It's going to, Jonathan. It's going to depend upon the deal, you know, for, um, for our, that's kind of an ambiguous question, but I will answer this on, I'll base it on the, um, on the subject to deals. Really, Setting money aside on a deal-by-deal basis, I, I, I think you might be talking about when I go out and buy a piece of property, what are my reserves? Is that what you're trying to ask? What do my reserves look like? Um, if that's the case, I have six months reserves. It's just that. Uh, and for me, um, this is another reason why I love the seller finance model. Because if I'm going to do a rental property, I, I still have to have six months reserves for rental property, right? So, why wouldn't I take a portion of that down payment that I get from my buyer and put that into reserves? You see, I'm into this thing for nothing. I, I have, and I have several of these deals, several of them. Well, I have absolutely no money into these deals. Um, but I am the kind of the, uh, you know, just kind of the mastermind behind, behind the, uh, the strategy and, 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 uh, setting the deal up. So, um, I don't know if that answers your question, Jonathan, but, um, uh, yeah, that's our rule. also says also you didn't talk about how much you save money and to lend money and how much you keep. Um, I, oh yeah, that's a real simple one. Jonathan, you said, um, also you didn't talk about how you save money and save money to lend money and how much you keep. Um, so essentially we save a year's worth of a year's worth of, um, So we look at our budget. We have a year's worth of our uh, of our obligations, financial obligations. That's what we save. We save a year's worth of that. That's really all there is to it. The rest of it gets lent because you got to understand when you lend that money, you're also there's velocity there. And so you're also taking uh, you're also taking a monthly payment as well. So uh, we're pretty darn safe. All right. Well, this went way longer than I thought it would go. Um, I thought I was like, I was like, man, I don't really have a, I I knew this, I knew I wanted to talk about this this week because I just, because of the, uh, the folks I know that are experiencing this right now, but, um, I didn't expect to talk to talk about it for an hour. So, all right, guys, I think that's all I've got. Um, as always, if you guys have any questions, you can post them in the comments and, uh, You know, we look at those pretty much daily. So uh, we really appreciate you. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next time.